Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello. Esther and I are still away in sunny Wales. So instead of the usual podcast, uh, this week we're going to have a special edition of what we call Desert Island Crisps, as many of you already know. These interviews I do with celebrities in which I talk to them about their life through the medium of food. They choose eight uh, edibles that have uh, charted the course of their life and we eat them and we chat uh, in my kitchen in North London. It's all very jolly. In this episode, uh, I am joined by the MasterChef judge, the Guardian restaurant critic uh, and the author of Hungry, Grace Dent. Here. We're recording this so that people know in my home. We are. Because you were, you were up for coming into the studio, but social distancing, well, that means we can't. And I've suddenly realised. We are actually pretty socially distanced, though. We no, we're two metres. This is two metres. Officially socially distanced. We're two metres apart. We're in my home, which is designated as a studio for the purposes of work. Yeah, so you're allowed yeah. to come round. And I have realised that. But we are a vital service. We are. <laughs> we are key workers. We are. If people couldn't hear this light banter what would the state of the nation be well it's it's only light banter at the start we're going to (laughs) delve deep into your your deprived sad awful terrible lonely childhood in Uh, Cumbria uh. no your your lovely and fun and exciting childhood in Cumbria uh, and the food you you ate when you were a kid and then coming to London and all this kind of stuff and then and being and being a restaurant critic but one do you know one of the few restaurant critics uh, like me who's done it for two papers ah well yeah, Evening I mean, Standard, I, Guardian. Evening Standard, and then the Guardian. I was at the Guardian for quite a few years, and uh, the, they weren't really paying me very much money. So then I went across to work for the uh, the Evening Standard uh, under Evgeny. Yeah, that was when they weirdly had more money. Yeah, and then they <laughs> ran out, and, and now then, it gets they rinsed them of all their money, and then went back to the Guardian. No, I uh, I always wanted to go back and be a national restaurant critic I think I want it it was always important to me to be able to go back up north and go to Manchester and Liverpool and Leeds and places mm. like that I mean the actual reality of that can be a bit of a slog you know what it's like I know I know well I, I don't because I don't really bother to go out. I well, just I, I really I, do though I, I, I know really... but then you I bet you get complaints from all your readers that she doesn't leave London enough what I've found is that the amount of times you leave London makes no impact to the criticism that you're not leaving London. It yeah, ma- is... None. It makes none. 
it, you, and it, it's a weird one because people, readers feel very passionate that you should be leaving London. But then when I, you know, I take two or three days, go from, usually coming from London, go to Leeds, review some restaurants, go across to Manchester. And when you start to write them up, uh, you know, you press send and you get so uh, far fewer people reading it. People want to hear about London. I'm, I'm look. I'm not telling you anything here that people also want to admit. Nobody wants to. But, is, but I know this is to be true because yeah. I've had it all my life, and, and I know that Marina O'Loughlin uh, on the Sunday Times has this, and they endlessly complain, and she goes quite a lot. And I really don't. I mean, I really mostly just stay in London. I get only the same level of complaints. And and then if I and then if I decide right, this has got to stop, and I do four or five in a row in the north or something, because once I've gone there, I'll do a few. They, they still they don't even notice. They still say it. They it's interesting that when people say you never leave London, what they actually mean is you didn't come to a restaurant right near <laughs> my house. So they don't, if you, they don't care that you've been to Cornwall. If they live in Leeds, they don't care that you're in Cornwall. They, it, they just all they say is you haven't been to the but restaurant. If you go to the whole the point is, the road. but Grace, if you then go to Leeds, yes, but you don't go to their favourite place, yes. they say you came all the way to Leeds. <laughs> And you didn't come to Auntie Auntie Hannah's Tiffin Tin or whatever around, around the corner from mine. They and don't, yeah, you know and what it, I find is that when I do go to wherever Leeds, Liverpool, wherever, then the comments become people from that place being cross at how far I've said that things are. So just say I say this restaurant is 1.6 miles from the town centre, right? And then I go on to write 850 words about the restaurant. There'll be 300 comments from people saying, well, she should have took the slip road. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, clearly she went down that wrong, the wrong one-way system. And so... That's the it, classic blokes in a pub yeah. who never actually get to... A, they never actually get on to talk about the football that they'd all gather to meet for because <laughs> they go, oh, you took the B3078. Oh, you wanted to take the A709 and come off at the Dingley Roundabout. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, look, travelling around Britain at the moment is utterly miserable. Like, I, 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 look, you can't complain about being a restaurant critic ever because it's the greatest job in the world. And when you complain, people's eyes start to roll. It's like complaining about being Princess Barbara. I can complain, to, me, love, I can complain to you. Uh, I really do want to be out around London, around the Britain at the moment. But God, travelling is is weird. It's a terrible thing. And then MasterChef is back yeah. as well. Let's move on to that. For the, yeah, for the purpose of radio, the noise I made then, <laughs> thinking about COVID was... <sighs> just, yeah, it's... it's I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to uh, next year and I'm hoping we're going to move into a new state of just joy and normality. That's, what, that's where I'm in my head. I hope so too. I think the fact that we all had this glimpse and as restaurant critics, we know particularly, but as consumers of, of, of food and as restaurant goers, that they, did, you, did you find once they let us out, I, I went to more restaurants than I had been before yes. and it became an even more integral part of my life. And, yeah. I, and I go, oh wow, there's that bit where it's on Thursday and you can't think what, you know, you don't, you don't, you don't want to cook and you just, you can actually just go, oh, let's all just go out for a pizza. To, <sighs> to, 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 that. That's all it was. And for yeah. it to, to, uh... Do you know what I miss? I miss going to a pub that with smelly floors and not enough bar staff and getting jostled around at a pub bar trying to get served and not getting served. These things that I hated, right? Mm. But I just want to do it. I just want to be in a stinky pub and like, and I want, I want to order those glasses of wine where they get it from a bottle with like a sticky top <laughs> i just want to you want a really really bad gin and tonic normal. in a duralex glass with no yeah. ice 
with an old bit of bent lemon <laughs> and the, the last bit of tonic in the bottle that isn't even yeah. fizzy. Do you, I'm worried that after the lockdown, we'll go back to, when we get, when it all goes back to normal, you'll go into a pub and sit down at a table and wave your hand expecting to be brought to time. <laughs> <laughs> and be, they have to go back to a thousand years of where, where you think you are, man. Yeah, well, I assume that you just behave like that anyway yes, in pubs. I'm too far too posh. You are posh. You are quite posh. I say this all the time when I meet the other restaurant critics. I think that, um, you know, I mean, this is why the book, my book, Hungry, must have been like an absolute education for you. I mean, I don't think. Did you realise that there was so far up north that you could go? I mean, this is it's true. This is you the did top go... of the M6. I know, like, just before you get into Scotland, I you really up. did go up to the bit with the Bobby pictures of dragons and stuff. But it, and it goes <laughs> on after that. I've got a map on the wall which actually stops before that. I don't know if people had gone there. It's you, you go. You do things like go south to Manchester, don't you? I mean, Manchester, even York. Manchester is pretty south. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, but <laughs> well, I mean, it is. I've got to say, look, so talk, talking about the food, though, that, that's on your list of things, there is no, I don't believe if you're children of the 70s and 80s like us, then in regard, and I'm not, I'm not some, I mean, I, I, I mean, I'm just, I, when, when I'm told I'm posh, I never know quite where to go with it. I love it. Um, I love how flustered you've become. Just by me saying that you're on posh. The sc- I, there are, but William there are... Sitwell, on the other hand. Oh, no, he's posh. Now, he William he Sitwell, on the other hand, just looks at me and says, of course I'm posh. Grace. Yes, but like, he's a I'm Sitwell. Ruling, I'm ruling He grew up class. in a stately home. He yeah. grew up in a stately home and and, and, and part of it, and his father was called Sir Chaverell, or one of the other ones was called it. I mean, I've got to say I'm a second generation immigrant Jew who... I did go to public school in Oxford, it's true. You went to public school yeah. and then you went to Oxford. Um, so look, well look, but the, what I was going to say is this, that regardless of your social class, if you ate and eat, might, the, today it might be different. In the 70s and 80s, we all ate the same food. I think that with regards to the food that I talk about in the book, I talk about all these lovely things because they're, they, they do bring back this warm nostalgia. They take you back to points in the 70s and the 80s, uh, of, you know, of growing up. When, often when we had far less, uh, far f- fewer things that we could buy in the shops. So they were amazing. However, yes, I did write Hungry from a working class northern perspective. But you're right. What has continually surprised me is when you talk to someone like Tom Parker Bowles, who mm. is from you know it was around royalty you know they ate, people ate the same thing so i do uh, you know i do agree that the middle classes and the upper classes were just as fond of a mini roll yes no well they are which is your first food and i think we should all tuck into one the um but this is a misconception that is that you people have yes, that we're so different no, people, that it's, yeah. there, there is in the same way that unquestionably the upper classes don't understand the working classes and the middle classes don't understand anybody there is there is there is a there, there is. It is reciprocal. Working class people think that that upper class people are sitting around eating capons and swans all the time, and they're really not. They're eating mini rolls. And if you're, you're you've got mini rolls, you've got angel delight coming up, spicy knickknacks. I mean, I've got to say that at number five, I didn't know you could get tinned mac cheese, but <gasps> Ooh, there you go. Right. So, um, tell me about the mini rolls. Where, where, so, where does this take you back to? First of all, so what we're holding is a Cadbury's individually wrapped mini roll. Now. These are already, uh, they're, they're annoying me just to look at them in a way because these used to be wrapped in, in gorgeous gold foil. Do you remember? I do. And well, because it was, because it, it was gold foil, you could smell them immediately. And they, to me, a mini- Now it just smells faintly of condoms. Well, I just don't understand why you would take away with something that was so beautiful and felt so much like a birthday party when you were in the 70s or the 80s when there was a little stack of them, you know. And mm. I just feel, why would you put these these purple 
wrappers when it's not even the proper Cadbury's purple. Sorry, but no, I'm, you're right. It's I'm not. Fi- I'm feeling a little bit. There's something about my childhood that was taken away when they took away the fact. I mean, these don't wouldn't look good on a on a buffet, whereas. Uh, the working classes would have put these on a buffet. That's the difference between me and you. I bet you just had these as snacks every given day. I only got these on my birthday. Rubbish. There you go. It's really interesting because there is these marked differences. And to me, I remember when I left, I was born in um, Aldershot because my dad was in the army. And we left Aldershot really... So that to me sounds really posh. Well, uh, we, we went to Carlisle after that, and <laughs> and uh, and on my on my last day of uh, of nursery school, uh, I, I I took a goodbye present and I took a load of a big box of mini rolls, and we all had one. So to me, mini rolls. I'm going. I'm sorry. I just well, I happen. need to open. You one. did say you wrote tin you wrote tin foil wrapped mini rolls, but obviously you can't get them anymore. Mm. I say in the book that... Book no, it's really good, though. It's not a horrid thing. It's like if you ate a posh chocolate sponge in quite a posh restaurant, an English yeah. posh restaurant, not a French yeah. one, you'd get something not unlike that. I think that Cadbury's Purple, for a lot of people, is just almost synonymous with... It's, it's, it's love. Cadbury's Purple is love. It's, it's happiness. It's excitement. For me, Cadbury's Purple is Easter. When I was a child and getting an Easter egg or getting taken to the naffy the army shop and getting some cadbury's buttons so even just looking at the cadbury's purple so did you live in on the accommodation when yeah. you were up? yeah just until i was three and then we uh my dad came out of the uh remy and we uh What's that? the royal electric electrical and mechanics something and engineers i really will have to look that up whenever i get asked that's top of my head i can't remember it doesn't remember. matter it's yeah. fine it's, uh, it's your childhood mm, you know well. you can choose to know nothing about it yeah, yeah. i know um, i was sorry i'm enjoying this so much no i'm glad you're enjoying it that's the whole point well you see you're very right about the tinfoil i feel the same thing about crunchies which a were orange not gold when we were kids and they were wrapped in sort of paper and now they put in all this plastic and the plastic goes in the sea and kills albatrosses whereas the foil was recyclable it's all gone wrong i just think that it's oh so okay at a birthday party when you were a child, mm-hmm. did you have like birthday parties where lots of other kids would come to the house and you would have like a cheese and pineapple porcupine? Yeah, I don't know if we had a cheese. Do we have to? We they certainly did, and they had, we had a cheese. We had Smarties, which got emptied out of tubes into a bowl to look nice. Fairy cakes, hula hoops in bowls. <laughs> yeah. Um, hula hoops were poured out into bowls to look nice. That's I think I felt that's the difference between the middle classes. I felt like the, the, the working classes and the aristocrats. Just ate them out of the packet because they didn't care. But the middle classes, my mum would pour them into a bowl so it looked like she'd made That them. is exactly it. And I think that's why I get on with upper class people probably more on a day-to-day than I do with the middle classes. Because I think the middle classes are always trying to have everything orderly and to make things better than they are. Whereas, uh, yeah, the upper classes, they don't mind kind of, you know, a Labrador But there are in the fewer and fewer and now. wellies in the kitchen <laughs> and things like that. But this is true, but it's also, it's a bit like the Celtic fringe. I mean, the aristocrats and the working classes now represent about 3% of the population at either end. And the middle classes is the, yeah. is the 94% that's left in the middle. The middle classes ruined everything. Though. But you not all become, all, but you can't pretend now that you're the, you, you, you move class. You become the restaurant critic of The Guardian yeah. uh, and you hang out with Tom Parker Bowles. And yeah. 
But I've got silver fillings and no maths GCSE. You've got no maths GCSE? There you go. Just Look quick. at the face. Exactly. Look at that face. He's like, <laughs> it's just what? being You can't. Thick. What, it's you been, failed or you didn't take thick. it? Or <laughs> well, I mean, I went to a school where if you just didn't really want to do a maths GCSE, you kind of just, nobody cared. Well, no wonder you had to be a restaurant critic. You've got no qualifications. <laughs> nobody, you can't, no most things. cared at my school if you didn't really want to learn at all. We just had a pig and you could go and look after the pig. Right. That sounds See, quite middle I love, class to have I love pig. saying things like this My, to Giles. Giles, <laughs> I really wish that we could just take photos of Giles' face every time I tell him a story of the working classes. <laughs> I, sorry, but having a pig, I mean, my children go to a really, well, one of my, my daughter goes to a really sort of posh independent school and they have chickens and rabbits. And that strikes me as that's what I'm paying for. That's the posh thing. You had a pig. That must, those fees must have been through the roof. Okay. If your child come, has, comes home and says that they're not going to have a maths GCSE, they're not just not going to do it. What would you do? I don't know at this stage because it's their only. Would you get only... a tutor? Well, not if her. they said they weren't going to do it. What if, what if they were my, just my failing a bit? A tutor. What? <laughs> And she's had one since she was six because, even though she's in private school, because she wanted to have a maths tutor. Uh, right, okay. She literally so, doesn't like, she doesn't like, she wouldn't play the piano or this other middle class thing. Do so. you, on balance, see any correlation between your daughter asking for a maths tutor and you bringing a maths tutor in at this early age to make sure that she has... Early? She was six. <laughs> there are, to you know. make sure that she has a good maths GCSE so therefore she can apply for Oxford, right? No, she doesn't want to. I... She wants to go to Cambridge. She heard that I went to Oxford <laughs> and she, she heard her I went to Oxford and decided that Cambridge yet to be clever. So she wants to go to Cambridge and do maths. That's not necessarily middle class. That's a good aspiration. Oh, Lord. Oh, I mean, <laughs> my head can't live at this speed. Let's do... <laughs> I, I, I think she's anyway so I think I, personally I, my dream is that she should go to the University of Stirling I think she should she should oh, roll God. back a bit well, is that I, where you had this butterscotch angel delight I, while you tell me about that right, I'm going make, to make the butterscotch angel it said now look we've got the packet of angel delight I grew up on angel delights butterscotch angel delight with, <gasps> but we were middle we, you probably couldn't afford the brown sprinkles to put on the top there was never any brown sprinkles. No, you bought them the, separately you bought them separately they were like hundreds and thousands luxury actual luxury <laughs> <laughs> um, was, was, uh, they were like hundreds and thousands, but they were brown. It says uh, Angel Delight butterscotch flavour made with real butter. I think I bet you had a hand whisk though. But I had a, we had a thing that you wound like this. There you go. What did you it's have? We just did. We just used a fork. Did you? Oh, a garden fork? <laughs> you just used a whipping. You just bashed it with a clog until it went. <laughs> into, put, I'm going to make this thing. Look. I'll make it. I am no. only teasing you, child. Pour 300 mils, approximately half a pint of chilled, fresh, semi-skimmed or whole milk into a bowl. How long does it take for two restaurant critics? We'll leave it to thicken and come back and talk about the next thing. This is two restaurant critics trying to make a sachet of Angel Delight <laughs> in real time. Um, I love, um, but I love butterscotch Angel Delight because it's a kind of it's a, it's a strange and unusual taste. It's kind of, it's meant to be... Is that going to make it too posh for you, the Yo Valley organic? That would be lovely. That's absolutely fine. He's using some Yo Valley. The I, idea, I mean, had one recently. My, literally, my, I, mom, uh, my mother, or to be fair, my nanny, <laughs> used to quite often, really quite often make really, I was quite. I remember the, the sort of the bubbles in it, you know, and it was, it was yeah. in a ramekin. We used to have it in a... Was it called a ramekin? It was a 1970s bowl? I mean, I mean, yeah, when I was... You could, <laughs> it's, it, it's so easy to make. And that this, you get so much bang for your book with a sachet of angel delight. It's, this, this argument about me not being, uh, 
you call him middle class. It's, it's a bad day because not only with the cleaner here, but that chap you can see in the garden. Is this is it. We, we're just trying to fit making the it, here, making it between the gardener and and his cleaner. I think it's his cleaner. Okay, this is, I, this is, I mean, let me see. Oh, it when crunchy. I get a spray tan, that's the colour that I want <laughs> to be. Smell that. It smells like a crunchy bar. Darling, you're going to have to let it set yeah. or else we're just eating. When it in, when let it set in its own separate bowl. So oh, bless so him. How Bill, long it for five minutes? Five minutes, but can we refrigerate it, please? Well, yeah. we'll get to the master chef in, in, in proper business, maybe when it, when you arrive there in the story of your life. But it's it's just starting again, isn't it now? Because Monica, I've just finished filming with Monica, yeah. and she was still doing some bits and pieces for Master Chef. She said it was a bit mental with the social distancing. Well, Master Chef was probably off, uh, not off air, but not being filmed for I think probably the shortest amount of time out of all of the programs. It got up and running. I think within about eleven weeks, maybe after COVID arrived. Mm. You know, it, they've they've uh, they've sorted it all out. We're incredibly socially distanced. When I was filming the other day. Uh, people were walking around with just a stick that says the amount of the amount of space we're allowed to stand apart, and they just kept putting the stick between us. And you're on two time. meters, are you? That's the BBC. Two meters. Let's move on to your next snack because we haven't got it. Oh, you're going to say it's because my neighbour's too posh and I couldn't uh, oh, find it. I it was the nice and spicy knickknacks. I remember the <sighs> knickknacks. I looked. Ben looked as well. I looked for, for spicy. Knick I remember knickknacks. I seem to remember there was like a scampi fries type of a flavour, a yellow packet when I was a kid. I so uh, nice and spicy knickknacks. No, the way I always remember them, they're like uh, in a. They look. It's like it's a dark red packet. Is it not like frazzle? Have you uh, have you never seen a nice and spicy knickknack? The knickknack itself. It might be the one I'm most used to. It's kind of a lumpy, bumpy, yeah. corn maze thing. They're all different shapes, and the nice and spiciness. I would say it's like a turbo Worcester sauce with loads of well, it'll be salty and sugary and all the goodness, you know. And it's just it's that kind of taste where the moment you put it in your mouth. You can feel all of your gums and the back of your teeth. And it really, you know, it's just, it's, a, it's, it a, smack, it's a smack in the face of flavour. I mean, I don't, I don't think, I don't know whether you can say this, they're not particularly good for you. I don't think there's much kind of nutrient value in one. But when I was a little girl, well, when I was about 12, 13, I went to a secondary school six miles outside Carlisle. Uh, and it was in the countryside. And How did you get there? Uh, school bus, except I used to miss it every single day. And my mother used to have to get a car out and drive me. You surprised me because you were only half an hour late for me today. I, I just, I don't really work by uh, earthly calendars. No, right. <laughs> no, I, we have no place for you in the middle classes in that case. <laughs> That's it. I, um, look, I, uh, yeah, I used to, I used to miss it in the morning. And anyway, so, uh, they used to, when you got to a certain point at my school, Colgy School, they would allow you the uh, the treat of being able to walk down to the shop at break time. And I used to go and have a packet of uh, nice and spicy knickknacks. They, they make a good sandwich. They're very versatile. But you've, ne you know, you've never had some. Yes, I have. I have. I have. Yeah. No, I remember. The, I just remember the packet is yellow. And I was confusing them maybe with scampi fries. I'm about four years older than you, five years older than you. So these things were all launched. I always think my you're memory. younger than me. I, how have you stayed so youthful? Because you still look about 34. <laughs> it's all the evil, isn't it? It's the evil. <laughs> the evil. What evil? This is, I invite a guardian person into my house and you've been here 
an hour and a half. It would have been only an hour because you were late. And you've you've accused me of being first middle class and now evil. I like evil people. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Somebody for the launch of my book, they sent the best present, uh, you know, like when you do things, sometimes they send you gifts that you'll never, ever use. Oh, the hampers which you open up and it's various chutneys and chutneys. teas. Which you <laughs> loose leaf tea. I mean, I'm middle class. Loose leaf tea. What am I yeah. going to do with that? Compost. Boom. And you feel very ungrateful, but somebody sent me uh, a hamper uh, from... It was a someone a bit like Moon Pig, but it was off, something a bit like that. And they just filled this box full of treats exactly like this. It was just you opened it up and there was frazzles and Monster Munch, and salt and vinegar chipsticks. And last night, I sat and watched um, a Dave Grohl Foo Fighters documentary and just ate the frazzles. And it was, the, honestly, it was the greatest thing of the whole week. Had a glass of uh, Aldi wine. Like oh, sorry. Because Gile, that, like, it's, 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 isn't it? Giles again. Giles, have Giles, you heard of Aldi? It's a supermarket. Aldi. <laughs> Oldie. You're getting Aldi. 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 Is that like the Aldi magazine for old people? Aldi. Yeah, but it's Aldi because they're German. <laughs> I always feel when me and you are talking that I should come with subtitles, to be honest. As long as I, no, as it's long funny, it's funny about Cumbria because the last Cumbrian we had here Who um, was, was Hunter Davis. Oh, I love him. I love Hunter. He sat across the table and what was his wine? He liked the, He liked uh, Morrison's Beaujolais? Yeah, uh, uh, um, the one that was under four pounds. Yeah. So, so Hunter, <laughs> Hunter, who lives up the road here in a house, he will tell you... He bought in 1961 and it, for yeah, threepence, but it's now worth yeah. billions of pounds. And Hunter is obsessed with money. And he's incredibly wealthy now, being a very successful journalist for years and years and years. But on his list was uh, was the Morrison's Beaujolais. And I found him a flurry, like a really good, oh, like a, a 25 quid um, uh, uh, thing. And he likes it, but not quite as much as the... He'd rather have had five bottles of the Morrison's. I think that uh, people kept saying to me... Uh, lockdown when lockdown started about uh aldi wine and i i poo-pooed it until i started tasting it and it is actually really good their champagne's pretty good you know really their champagne is good like What's, what what was the one you were drinking what was the aldi wine you were drinking? it was a flurry it was yeah and yeah. they you, you know you, yeah they're, they are they're pretty good and they're quite yeah I know, oh, I'm sure they are. Yeah. I'm sure they are. Yeah. I mean, because you've got to, go. you know, for cooking and so. <laughs> um, uh, now, look, I want to, speaking of which, I'd like to have a glass of wine, but the only thing that we could have with it would be your fifth item, but we haven't done your fourth item. Um, oh, I've got up. You see, let, let, tell me about the Buckfast first, then we can get the Heinz mac and cheese in and have a glass of wine with it. Uh, Buckfast, this is, is, is what? When I 
was this is your fourth. By the way, let me say before you tell me, sorry. I want to remind I want to remind my listeners that I'm talking to Grace Dent, um, whose whose book um, Hungry and Memoir of Wanting More is wonderful and excellent and full of food, and <laughs> and uh, and I've been reading it all week and excited about it. And Grace, who has stopped on this whirlwind tour. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and uh, it's all over Instagram. And I, these days, you, they don't let you just write a book and publish it. They make you. They they flog oh you from God. pillar to post. And she's very kindly come to my house Damn. for a socially distanced Desert Island crisps. And we've got up to, we've had Cadbury's mini rolls, Butterscotch Angel Delight, nice and spicy knickknacks. And now number four is Buckfast, which <laughs> I've not heard of. And I'm sure this is going to expose my middle class uh, ponciness again, isn't it? When I was... 18 I moved to uh, Stirling and I went to uni because they were the only university that would have me I got in through clearing oh with no GCSE maths yeah with no GCSE maths and I so I got to Scotland and I I I love Scotland I I I love I love the place and I I always dream that I'll go back there one day and go and live I don't even know which part because I love all different parts of Scotland and I love the people and uh, and they, I, I think when I got there, I, I'm not going to say that I drank Buckfast all the time. It's got certain connotations up there. I don't judge. But as judge as, that. as as a student, it was the first time I'd ever I'd ever really heard of it, or seen it. I, I think I grew up in I grew up right on the border of Scotland, thinking that Scotland, because I went there a few times when I was a kid. I just thought they were kind of the same as us. They, I was English. I thought the Scots just ate the ty- the same types of things drank the same types of things. And then I got there and realized that they had an entire culture of stuff that I'd never even what heard else? of. What else? Oh, God, just square sausage, <laughs> different types of breads, like the way that they had uh, their fish and chip shops, the way that they were, you know, like black puddings and white puddings. And, you know, I know that Buckfast, um, it might not be the greatest wine in the world and it'll get you some very dark looks in some places if you bought a bottle. But... If I was to be on a desert island and I and there was one thing that I could have like an endless supply of, it would be something incredibly strong like that. So you could kind of um I could I could, you know, make my make my house that I was gonna live in and go and have to kill animals, which I wouldn't like to do, and then I'd just drink a bottle of buckfast. But we've come to a savory thing. Now you've gone from this buckfast, you've gone shooting up the social ladder to something very sophisticated, this macaroni cheese in creamy cheese sauce. I think you said Heinz, but but Ben has managed to find one by Sainsbury's. One assumes Heinz probably make so, it. Yeah, what, the, so, what, so I'm going so to make of, it. What do you have? Just stick it in a bowl and stick it in the microwave. But can also be heated on the hob. Before heating, wait to transfer the content into a microwave dish and cover. During heating, heat on full power for two minutes. I don't After think anybody heating, has ever thought about how to make um, tinned macaroni cheese as much as you just did there and you in 25 seconds. I find tinned macaroni cheese... It has. It really does have st- such a strange effect on people when you mention it, because some people find the, the idea of it absolutely disgusting. Personally, even now with all the best restaurants at my disposal, and the fact that I eat for a living, it smells of craft cheese slices, and it looks like ambrosia tapioca. I still cannot have. I cannot have a tin of this stuff in the house without eating it. If I bought a tin tonight for a special for not for a special occasion for a for a, for an emergency i would i'd have eaten it within two days because there's something the the it's just such an, an effective deliverance of really cheap stinky cheese sauce and carbohydrate and you don't have to do much with it and you can just eat it with some toast oh God. but it smells 
Would you like a glass of wine with it? Oh, yes. Should we sort of have it as a share? We, I'll, I'll pour some to set the bowls so and share. Because otherwise it'd be... Uh... I associate macaroni cheese out of a tin with moving to London. And I lived in a shared flat in Middleton Road in Bounds Green. And I used to eat... I used to eat a lot of tinned food. I mean, didn't everybody, though, when they were in their 20s, 25, 26 years old, and I was working at Marie Claire, and the boys from Loaded were upstairs, and we all used to go out and party and drink and have fun. And, you ate this stuff. You, well, do you, do you I want don't to see remember like... eating during the 90s, to be honest. I don't do. Oh, well, oh, I God. wouldn't if this is what I've been eating. Is this to you delicious? Needs more salt. It does. That's exactly. This right is, you know, what this, how this, what, what this, this macaroni cheese is a victim of people trying to make something that can't possibly be healthy. And I put some salt in there. I'm probably saying I would probably put this in. You've got a bit on your chin. Okay. That's probably how it's worn. Tell me. There you go. Um, this is. Um, That's how we eat it in Curragh, actually. <laughs> I'd probably, <laughs> if you put this in a little lacrosse dish in the oven and grated some Gruyere over the top of it and baked it for 20 minutes, I could imagine it being edible, but. Mm. I think Try it's... with the wine. The wine will go nicely. Cheers. So what's this? What are we drinking? Uh, it's a it's a Pinot Gris from Alsace. Um... Have I changed your mind about macaroni cheese? I'm really sad because I, wa- I wanted to go. Oh, this is deli- oh yum! This is it's it's really horrid to me. I mean, I don't mean it in a bad way. Um, no, I do. It's I mean, it's just it, it doesn't have any kind. Can of... you not see? Can you not even give it the, give it a right? I want you to get into character. You're starving and you've come home after a really long day of people being genuine, generally annoying. I'd go straight for the leftover cassoulet in the, in the fridge that I made. No? With a, with a, with a, with a you, nice peanut But do you always have lovely leftovers sitting in? Yes. I've got, I've got, I tell you what, I've got a jambalaya that I made last night. Uh, now, the sixth thing on your list, um, everybody eats mortloaf. Everybody eats soaring. <sighs> Oh yeah. Uh, I had. I mean, I I bought the 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 the, uh, the saurine and then I brought it home to and opened up the cupboard and I'm hesitating to say larder in your company because you, <laughs> what you'll do to me I don't know. Opened up the larder and there was already a lot of saurine. My son eats this all the time. Hard now to find the actual loads. You get these pre-packaged. Presumably, you 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 were thinking about an actual loaf. I was thinking about the actual loaf, and I think that although these lunchbox sized pieces of serene are obviously hand serene sorin sorin how sorin sorin it's got a double a sorin serene serene well there you go on that bombshell sorin we've got a serene from up north a sorin down south but out in the west midlands they say sorin sorin okay yeah sorin farmer ben says sorin i would say I just wonder whether it loses a bit of what it is when you haven't got the full loaf that you can open and go, oh, I'll just have a little bit. And then you cut a really thick wadge of it and then you cut, you put the butter on it and then you eat it and then you think that wasn't quite enough. And then you go back again and have an even bigger piece of the loaf and then you've eaten the full loaf. I think that that is the beauty of it's it. A, it's, it's, it's also a packaging nightmare. The other, you, the, the issue you say, the thing about cutting what I remember from cutting, it's very hard to cut malt loaf. You know when you're impatient and you don't saw and you push the yeah. knife in and it all, yeah. it all sort of, I, buy, all I, it, I still buy these. I buy these, um, I buy this for my my guy who I um, 
whenever he's going off doing do you want butter? You stuff said you he does butter. yeah i do like to make a, a good packed lunch and i always think if you've got if you've got that in soaring if you've got soaring in you can kind of look at that's loads of butter but who cares oh, no, you've got to have loads and loads of mm. now we know it's not bad for you mm. oh my god it's quite there's something just really mm. i've gone a bit when harry met sally haven't i I have what she's having. I am having It's just... Sorry, I'm chewing. Ever since I got down south 25 years ago, it's been like a continuous baseline in my life. It's amazing. Everybody has a little bit of a hankering for it. It's the kind of thing you can buy it anywhere. You can buy it in any newsagent. You can buy it in any supermarket. You can buy it in any motorway services. It always hits the spot. It's rich and sweet, but also salty. It's filling. Uh, I was flying out of City Airport the other day uh, to Belfast, and there was nobody in the airport at all. This is really strange times we're living in, and uh, I was starving. And I thought, oh, the minute I get through security, I'm just going to try and find something to eat. And then it starts. I started to realise. There's nobody at security and there's nothing open when you get into city. And there was a WH Smith's <laughs> that was open. And in the fridge, they had uh, pre-packed pieces of sorine with uh, butter already on it. <gasps> and I, Buttered where? In the factory? Uh, but it was buttered, buttered in the factory. And then the two, the two slices placed together and then put in a packet. And I took, the, I took my little packet and, uh, and a bottle of... Diet Coke, because when I'm sad, I'll have Diet Coke. It's just a hit of caffeine. And I just sat and looked out of the window <laughs> and onto the flight, onto the tarmac and into the rain. And, I, and, it, and it made me feel better. And it always does make you feel better. And if you put it in a packed lunch, it's not the thing that somebody's going to open up their packed lunch and go, oh my God, winner. <laughs> this is amazing. But it's surprisingly uh, satisfying. It's the kind of thing that you should always... If you, if you should, if you, I mean, these pre-packed ones, have them in the the bottom of your bag. You don't have a handbag. I don't know whether I you have a handbag. Where, but, but I find them all over the place because my son carries them around. And so, yeah. and he takes them to football and he's in there. So any rucksack you open up and they're often there. And you're quite right. There'll be the things, you know, in, in a packed lunch, whether you're a kid or a grown up, but with my kids, you, the bit of fruit they won't touch. If there's a Kit Kat or something in there, boom, or a, or a hula hoops or a, that kind of a thing, they'll scoff with that. The sandwich gets left in the, in the end, as you get older, you realize it's the, it's the, it's the, it's the kind of tuna sandwich and the saurine are really, yes. that's the great stuff. Yeah. I think that if, you know, when I'm traveling, when I'm doing restaurant, um, restaurant work, and I often have stuff like this. In I the love front, you call it when I'm doing restaurant when I'm doing work. Restaurant work. I do other things. But I was, when I was doing my restaurant stuff, I have packets of things like this in the front of my suitcase and it's just that emergency two o'clock in the morning feeling sad feeling far from home feeling like you've been at a restaurant where you've you've been there for five hours but you didn't really get any food and then you went back to your room and you yeah. realized why yeah. why had i bothered going to this restaurant i didn't even like it and uh, i often find myself watching cnn in the middle of the night in another country and eating something like this that's at the front of my suitcase <laughs> it's really battered about the uh, so i, I realized i should ask you i mean it's a wonderful conversation but the questions that i as we 
I mean, you've been telling it, but as we get on in your career, if I were not a restaurant critic, I'd be asking you all those questions that people ask restaurant yes. critics yeah. about. But that's why I love spending time with you and all the other restaurant critics, is that we don't ask each other. You never ask me what the best restaurant in no. London is. It's no. so liberating. I don't. I don't ask you whether you eat all of the food when you go to the restaurant. And I don't ask, how do you become a restaurant critic? <laughs> and I don't ask... Uh, yeah, it's it's yeah, it's interesting. Or what makes you so specially qualified? But I could ask you that, Grace. What what do you think makes you qualified to be a restaurant critic? What makes you a good restaurant critic? And you are one of the good restaurant critics. I'm only qualified to be a restaurant critic because I am incredibly good at churning out thousands and thousands and thousands of words week in, week out about restaurants that make people uh, feel by uh, by osmosis that they've been to restaurants even when they haven't been to them. Mm. I think that I'm quite entertaining. I've got a good eye for detail. I'm. Uh, I think that people just want to say, well, you know, what what's Grace been up to? And that's mm. it, really. I don't you file on time. No spelling mistakes. Uh, absolutely you, not. I don't. Not? No, I don't file on time at all. And uh, I my. Spelling is so atrocious that at The Guardian, uh, there's a team of people that just get together to try and work out what they think I meant a lot of the time. <laughs> Gosh, you, are, you must be a much better restaurant critic than me because my main thing is I file on time. Yeah. No spelling mistakes to length. Uh, and they might as well use me because everybody else is late and badly spelled. And that's clearly the, clearly the case. That's my only talent. I'm going to put something in the microwave which relates to the, your eighth choice. Um, so... Tell me about number seven is, well, I've, I've written down Snapple and Otis cookies. This is a thing that I haven't actually eaten since, you know, for quite a while. It's a, a Snapple is a kind of, it was a 90s sensation. These pre-mixed pink grapefruit, quite cool in the 90s, like kind of soft drinks. And the Otis how do you say it? Otis Spunkmeyer. Otis Spunkmeyer. <laughs> Everywhere you say it does not sound good. The reason I chose these because they, these two things. Just to say that's the sound of the microwave just preparing our next thing. These two things remind me of uh, working for IPC magazines in the 90s. My first breaks in, in working for magazines, working at Chat Magazine, working at Marie Claire, worked in this big tower this was when magazines were absolutely we were you know people that worked in magazines we were the gods we were we the were, we were properly we were paid, properly everyone paid. Read everybody it was the job everybody wanted and i uh, so i'd come to london from the north and I'm, i've got this job at marie claire and there was this little sandwich shop underneath the little building that that marie claire and loaded were in when I was at Marie Claire, my accent was so different to everybody's. Everybody was really posh. And then there was me with this kind of like weird scouse drawl that <laughs> was all over the place. So it, these two... Was that, that now would be very normal, was that Yeah, then, to, oh, and it was... It was, it, was it, it odd? No. Was it, it would still be celebrated rather than sneered at even then. No, it wasn't celebrated. Not, no? in, not in 1997, it wasn't celebrated. It was... People thought that you were a bit of an idiot. You know, I remember... I mean, I was Marie Claire for, I, you know, I had a degree in English and I uh, was writing for different women's magazines at 
when I was at university and then I came down and I was working for women's magazines here and, you know, people used to just assume I was, I mean, I never really talk about this. People used to just assume I was the secretary and they used to come and say nicely to me, maybe I should think about going back and doing a degree. And I used to think I've done a degree. I'm here to be a writer. <laughs> did, they assume that, did they assume that if you've done a degree, your, your accent would have changed? Yeah, I think they did. I, mean, I, I spoke like you until I went to Oxford. And then they, 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 <laughs> they, they banged it out of you, right? Tell me about number eight. What is it? Luxor by Sam Belshock. I think that if anything summed up, London to me right now and, and the things that during lockdown we've all dreamed that if we just had a house somewhere else and moved house, then everything would be okay. That's why the housing market's full of people just trying to sell and go places. And especially people that live in cities, they want to go and live in the countryside. It's going to be a huge, thousands of people run into the country. I think that this dish by Sambal Shiok uh, sums up the type of thing that this is why London's great. This is why London is. So this is a Malaysian restaurant on Holloway Road, so yeah. only a mile from me. Look, you can go and move out of London and you may have... an abundance of fresh air and you'll be able to go to the local village pumpkin competition and you'll be able to have an you know a a wine cellar or whatever but my but I also know that Alexa is so much uh so much more complex than it seems when I when you when you actually say how am I going to make this at home there's about 12 different things going on. This is the reason why Mandy at Sambal Shiok is, you know, so uh, fantastic. And what she's achieved with that shop is fantastic. Because it's actually, you know, it's a bit, it's a massive schlep making a laksa. <laughs> it's distilling things and mincing things. And nobody of sane mind on a Friday night who's not, a specialist in Malaysian food comes in and thinks, I'll just whip myself up. Alexa. What this stuff? Do you want, I don't know what that is. Uh, is, is it peanutty things or? But it's, what, no, it's coconut oh, cream. Oh, lovely. Now, the only thing is, is we, I would feel that this would be a really good way to sort of draw to an end of Desert Island Chris. But we have got this Angel Delight in the fridge. But I feel we've spoken about the Angel Delight enough, don't you? Fair Do you think we can, I mean, you're also going to not be able to speak, are you, with all this chilli smoke? No, I mean, it's exact. It's exactly on the threshold of chili that I can eat because it's. I think it's hot, but mm-hmm. it's a chili that attacks you then leaves. That's the best chili. If you had to choose one of these, um, if you had to choose one of these dishes on the desert island, you could only have one. Which would it be? I think it would have to be the bug fast. Really? Yeah, because I think that if I was going to have to be on a desert island, sitting there. For so long, I would need an incredibly strong drink. Proving absolutely that you can take the girl <laughs> out of Carlisle and stick her in the uh, yeah. and stick her on a desert island, but you can't take the Carlisle out of the girl. Um, right, Grace Dent, <laughs> thank you very much for sharing with me your delicious desert island crisp. <laughs> it's been an absolute pleasure. You've been listening to a special edition of Giles Corran Has No Idea, Desert Island Crisps. 
This is a Wireless Studios production produced by Ben Mitchell. And don't forget, you can listen to the podcast on the Times Radio app, and you can also subscribe to us wherever else you get your podcast. Esther and I will be back next week, and you can tune in for the live experience on my Times Radio show every Friday from 1 till 4. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.